This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. Obviously, the scripture speaks about the hearts of the fathers and sons turning towards each other. And we, we hope to, during this time, really get some wisdom from you and, and Michael through hearing your, your journey together and your experience together as, as a father in the ministry to, to Michael. And so a lot of the questions will be geared towards that way. But we want to dig a little deeper. Jesse's going to ask some more personal questions. Um, I'm going to probably stick Lord, it to help me with that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I want to start off by asking you, how do you feel in general about this generation of young preachers and young ministries that are rising up? Um, we often share about the son's hearts towards the father. We all love you. We think that you are absolutely legendary, um, but sincerely. But we want to know what your heart is towards, towards the sons, towards this generation. What, what's stirring in your heart towards the generation that's up and coming now? Well, I will tell you, first of all, I believe in the scriptural uh, truth about uh, spiritual fathers, uh, because Paul talked about that in the scripture. Now, with me, and I want to start with that, uh, I did not really have that when I began in ministry. I didn't have anyone I could go to for a long time. And I uh, read a lot of books by the great uh, giants of the faith, Andrew Murray, uh, so many of the great uh, fathers back in those days that really touched my life. And then the Lord <clears throat> brought into my life people like uh, Dr. Winston Nunes. Dr. Winston Nunes was probably one of the greatest Bible teachers in Canada. And he's the one who really uh, kind of took a step uh, in helping me. So he asked me to have lunch with him weekly. And at first I wasn't sure how that would go. But he really helped me minister a lot. And one of the things, for example, that happened, uh, when, when I began preaching, I was 21, little experience uh, as a minister. And uh, I began thinking about uh, starting a church in Toronto. And he's the one who sat me down and said, do not do it. And uh, was so wise and saved me from a big problem because it's all about timing. And uh, then there was a wonderful, wonderful man who worked with Billy Graham, uh, a Baptist gentleman, and uh, named actually John Wesley, of all things. And uh, he and I had a, an amazing relationship. And he uh, advised me a lot, and he kind of became one I looked up to. And then along the way, surprisingly, men made a decision to uh, help me 
So I really never looked for it. They were looking for me. And most people probably don't, don't even know, I was deeply influenced, amazingly, by Baptist preachers. I know this may shock you. If I was not in the healing ministry, I would have been a Baptist. Oh, because they influenced my life. Uh, Dr. Bill Bright was one of them. People don't even know that. Uh, from Campus Crusade, you probably heard his name. He and I would have lunches at least once a month when I lived in, in uh, Orlando. Uh, so many, so many. Uh, Tim LaHaye was another one that became very dear and close to me. Jerry Falwell was another one that I met with more than once. He'd make fun of me often, make me laugh, but he would call to check on me when I went through my trials uh, most of, that, of, of those that called me were Baptist preachers. And it was very, very touching. And um, Jerry Falwell would say to me, Now, Benny, you know, when you lead that worship and you preach the word, it's no, nothing, no, no different from, you know, my church, Thomas... Uh, road Baptist Church, but when those miracles begin, it's downhill from there for you, brother. <laughs> he always would laugh at, at, at why people fall. He said, now why do you push them like, do you touch something? And I said, Dr. Falwell, they fall, and I don't know why. Come on, Benny, you sure know why. You must push them down. I said, can I push anybody down? But anyways, I said, well, how about when I blow on them? He said, yeah, that's, uh, we, we're not sure about that. And he'd go on like that. And one day I said, I said, well, I just don't know. I said, one day I'm going to ask God why they fall. And that kind of came up a little bit. But fathers are important. Now, let me say this, and then I'm, I'm going to have you ask me something else. But, because I don't want to dwell on that. Uh, there's also danger with that. And the danger is when someone appoints himself. as a father who is not qualified because he doesn't have the longevity. It's all about longevity. Jack Hayford, who is my pastor, to me, he is a father in the spirit still because when I went through my trials, it was only Pastor Hayford that I could trust and it's all about trust. Where they're not going to go out and harm you. And talk about what you said to them. So, Pastor Jack said to me, he said, you know why we believe God called you? That happened like uh, not too long ago. I've been in the ministry for 43 years now, he says, he says, you know, Benny, he says, we all knew God's hand was on you years ago. But we were not sure about one thing. And then he said, now, do you know why we really believe we as, and he kind of mentioned other pastors like Noel Jones and others. He said, you know why we all believe, and Ken Omar, he and Ken are really close friends, and 
He said, you know why we all believe God really did call you? So no. Longevity. It's the only proof of ministry. It's not the miracles. It's not even God's hand on you. Because I thought, oh, you know, they recognize God's hand is on me. That was, uh-uh, that's not the real answer. God's hand is on many people that he'll dismiss. Often dismiss. When they came to the Lord and said in the scriptures, when the Lord spoke about the day that would come, Lord, Lord, in your name, I never knew you. They were dismissed. And something about God, when God dismisses someone, he dismisses even their memory. As though he never knew them. Because it says in Second Samuel one twenty one, it says, as though he was never anointed about Saul. Remember that? As though he was never anointed means dismissed. Even from memory dismissed. So be careful when it comes to fathers. And I know in some places it's, it's uh, more cultural than it is biblical. So we have to stay with what is biblical. So today, you know, I still look up to Pastor Jack and Tommy Reed are the two people I really trust. Mm-hmm. Pastor Tommy from Buffalo. I've known him many years. So we need that. But I will also warn, be careful who is uh, influencing your life. Because I will not trust the newcomers. They don't have the foundation. And the foundation that you see today is not solid. Why do you think that is? Well, because we've walked away from it. We've walked away from biblical truth. We, we, we see it out there. Uh, I'm going to get in trouble, I think, now. But there are dangers mm-hmm. in ministry. Mm-hmm. And you could ask me that question anyway, right? Yes, what are some well, of the dangers? I might as well tell you. <laughs> the dangers in ministry is often, let me say it like this. I made a mistake one day. I got up one, one Sunday morning and I said, uh, I am appointing my wife as pastor of OCC and she will be equal to me. I did not realize that a week later the devil would attack her and had no idea why. And Jesse remembers that. And the Lord said, uh, who told you to promote her? I had no answer. Now, looking back, after all those years, I've discovered one thing. When God calls you, the second God calls you into ministry, he will anoint you for that. 
And the minute he anoints you, Satan will assign demons to destroy you. Instantly. The second God anoints you, the enemy will assign demons to destroy you. Now They cannot destroy you as long as you stay under that anointing. Because the anointing is protection. Psalm 89 verse 20. With my holy oil have I anointed David. The enemy shall not vex him. Nor the son of wickedness afflict him. That's Bible. So when God anoints you. Rather in Psalm 89 it says. The devil cannot touch you. But. But. If you call. A family member that God never called. Those demons that cannot touch you can touch them. And often will destroy them. And most pastors, a lot of pastors, maybe I shouldn't say most, but it seems more and more of them are doing it. They, They are appointing family members into positions God never called them into. They promote children. They promote uh, brothers or other family members, not realizing the damage they're going to cause in their life. So I was uh, at a large church in New Jersey a few years ago. And the pastor of this massive church that seats 6,000 and packs it out. Would you pray for my wife, he said. Jim was with me. He said, sure. He said, she's home. He called her. I picked up the phone. Hello. I could feel demons coming through that phone. Because she was mentally troubled. Well, I did not know then what I know now. Then I found out later that he promoted her to be co-pastor. I've talked to so many pastors who have said to me, I should have never done it. Because it caused divorce. Emotional troubles. You name it. Because they promote members of family thinking that God is in it when he's not. That's very dangerous. So I will never submit to a man who doesn't know the voice of God because they don't know the scripture. Moses never promoted Gershom or Eliezer. He said, Lord, who's your choice? He said, Joshua. It's what God decides, not what men decide. So it's all about, again, longevity. Because longevity will teach you all that. And that's my advice to all of you is if you're looking for a, a, someone to look up to in the spirit, and we all need that, okay? Look at their longevity in ministry. Not the anointing on their ministry. 
The danger is we always look at the anointing, signs and wonders and all that. Uh -uh -uh. Longevity, that's the answer. You, I'm going to turn over you, but you touched on something that was just uh, so many things. Practically speaking, is it complicated when you are the leader of such type of an organization that's successful and growing, whether it's a church or a ministry, and you have family that is growing up, and you have brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and in-laws, like your son-in-law, who is coming up in the ministry, for you to not feel the pressure to give him a job or give him a spot or give him an opportunity because he's your son-in-law. How do you navigate that? I hired... Uh, three of my brothers and I fired all three of them. True story. It's very easy to lay hands on and very tough to lay hands off. And my advice is I have not seen that work too well. I hear you. With family. Because they believe and feel that you owe them something. Now, not in all cases, of course, because biblically speaking, uh, some of the apostles were family members of the Lord himself. And so, in our day, it seems it doesn't work because we, we feel pressured. We're not led by the Spirit. But there is some beautiful examples where a family member is truly called of God to help and assist you. And it's, look what's going on with Michael and Jessica. When the hand of God was evident, I immediately supported them. But I, I, I also know his heart. And I love him dearly. He knows that, of course. But, you know, uh, I've had family members say, well, how come you support Michael and you don't support, and they give me the names. I said, because the Lord told me to. Well, why aren't you helping me? Because the Lord didn't tell me to. (laughs) That's all there is to it. You can't say anything else. And the voice of God, please hear this. The voice of God comes line upon line. God never speaks most times like this. He repeats it over and over and over before you know it's the Lord. And he'll speak through different people, circumstances, situations. Before you know in your heart, this is really the Lord speaking to me. So it's not my mind, you know, hearing something one time. And as I looked at Michael, I thought the Lord is with him. Look at the anointing. And, and it's not about uh, when he stands and ministers. It's about when he's with me alone. What does he talk about? What comes out of his mouth? You can tell a lot by what comes out of their mouth. What they say. I have never heard this man cuss. Never. Never one time I've heard my brothers cuss. 
I don't care if we're live. We're, it's the truth. Not all of them. But, 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 I've never heard you say anything out of your mouth that was dishonoring to the Lord. Let no filthy communication proceed out of your mouth. So when you hear someone say something that is not holy, well, you know what's in, you know, inside of them. I've never heard him say anything unholy. He makes fun of me, that's about all. He, he, he compares my hair to Mount Tabor. And I love him for that, of course. Calls it Taboric. So, um, I didn't have this question, but kind of going with that theme, I want to ask Michael now, because I was behind the scenes with the journey, and I can honestly say, um, my dad speaking truth, um, we all had things that we felt called to, Michael and I, and we say, well, come on, you have such a big platform, just, we want to be up there, we want to do this, we want to do that, and we'd almost get offended at times when we weren't, um, but he would always say, I don't promote you, God does, and I can't do anything until God says so. So Michael, my question to you, and I know the answer, but I want you to share it with everybody, how was that journey for you, knowing that you were called as a young child when you were serving my dad so, so humbly, doing anything asked of you, started with no pay, just were truly, truly there to serve. But you felt that you had a call on God, of God on your life, and it wasn't seen at that time by him like you were hoping, because he was not only your father-in-law, but he was your spiritual father. How did you go through that journey to get you where you are right now? What's the question? The question is, <laughs> I know, I'm a girl, you know, it's like, yeah. But, um, so, how did you, the question is, how did you stand on what you knew God called you to do, even though at times you did not feel the support of family, including my father, who you so wanted to validate you at times? How did you keep going and stay focused and honor at the same time and still serve? Well, um, now that I'm older, I understand a lot of his perspectives that I disagreed with at the time because we all think we're way more ready than God does. And uh, so there are no shortcuts. The, the Lord's not after our ministry. He, he's after forming us into the image of Jesus for reason, for the sake of Jesus, so that Jesus has a fit bride to commune with. In other words, that Romans 8 process that he, we're conformed into the image of his son. It's unto something. It's unto intimacy with God. So he needs, he needs people, a Jesus people, to commune with. And when that becomes success, like Bub talked about. I call him Bub, by the way. Bubba. And uh, so when, when loving Jesus becomes your, your uh, barometer, when that is success, when... Oneness that he talked about last night is success. You realize the Lord is not going to leave a stone unturned in us. His ultimate ambition is not to get us to fill stadiums. I mean, he can do that with someone who's never met him. You want me to name a few? Balaam, Judas raised more dead people than anyone here. 
Saul died as though he were never anointed. Solomon has a vision of God, brings idols in to the very sanctuary of the Lord. So, so the, doing this stuff is not success. And back then I thought, and you guys walked with me on this journey, back then my dream was to fulfill the prophetic word that your dad spoke over me as a boy, which was, uh, which is almost a haunting word. The word was, this young man will carry the anointing to the nations and shake nations with the gospel. So that's what was spoken over me the night I got healed. And, and I didn't know you were supposed to fall, so I was on the ground, and he was just bouncing around the platform like, he's way more calm now. For those of you who knew my father-in-law in the early 90s, it was like, it was an experience, you know. And I was an altar boy at the time in the Orthodox Church. I thought, what on earth is going on? Why am I on my back? And I heard that word. It seemed like it come through like a tunnel, faraway tunnel, like water into my soul. Carry this anointing of the nations, shake the nations with the gospel. Well, I didn't know. I knew what the nations were. I didn't know what the anointing was. I didn't know the gospel. I didn't know where it was. And so you live, as Lou Engel says, under an overshadowing, overpowering prophetic word over your destiny. So all I could really think about was doing the work of the ministry at that time. So when, when I became your assistant, which was... <laughs> I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world because uh, some, uh, Mike Miller asked me yesterday, teach me how to flow in the Holy Spirit, and, uh, which was so humble of him. But I'm, there's no class for that. You, know, you, you have to live in that atmosphere and you have to go low. So I started carrying his Bible and and catching people, <laughs> which is why my back hurts right now. I needed a massage two days ago. I'm still feeling the effects of that. I've had wigs stick to my watch class. I've jumped off platforms. I've cast out devils I've, with offering envelopes in my back pocket. I mean, I've, I've, done, I've seen some stuff. I've seen probably the largest healing service in the entire, in, in the history of Christendom. So living in that framework the barometer for success can be skewed in your heart. It can, you can start to create this perspective that I have to do that. And if I don't do that, uh, I'm not fulfilling my destiny. And the whole time the Lord's saying, you just need to come to me and leave that to me. So when that shifted, now I saw why your dad didn't. At the time, you're like, oh, I can do that. I can heal the sick. I can preach that. But that's not the point. Uh, the point is making us like Jesus. So as now people are coming up in our movement and people close to me, I totally understand why, um, why God didn't open that door. The level of warfare is so intense. Uh, I mean, I've been to the end of myself this year. It's, you know, a, a, great, a great saint uh, once said, I'm a mystery unto myself. Like, I don't know why God uses me. I, I don't understand why he's been so good. And The level of warfare is it's almost crippling at times. And had I, had I been thrown 10 years ago into some capacity that God didn't put me in, it would have crushed us. It would have crushed our marriage. It would have crushed... The, you know... You, I couldn't put it this way. I cannot go up to a cripple and say, in the name of my father-in-law, get up. 
or in the name of my spiritual father, get up. At the end of the day, I have to create a history with God. Absolutely. And while he, so he never once taught me how to heal the sick. Just last week at Bethel Cleveland, the only testimony we took for 45 minutes were tumors that vanished. We couldn't get to anything else. It was tumor or cyst or growth after the other. Boom, 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 boom. He never taught me that. He, he never taught me a three-point sermon. He never taught me how to communicate. He never taught me how to fill a stadium. He never taught me. He taught me how to spend time with Jesus. He taught me to go into my room every day. And, and for me to marry you, which was worth the God Almighty, but like the children of Israel, I definitely had my Jacob and Laban experience with, with him. But he goes, you know, you, he, let's just be real. So I said, I, I'd like to marry your, no, the first time I took her out, I came to the house. He goes, I remember you. Are you going to marry my daughter? I hadn't seen him in 10 years. So I said, oh, well, I can, sir. I mean, do you want me to? I will. I mean, I didn't know what to say. I was like, sure. Yeah, I'll marry her. So he gave me a lot of money. So take her on a date. So I did. I was like, wow, this is wild. So... I took her out, and then he's like, I think you're going to marry her, and well, let's wait on the Lord. And finally, <laughs> finally, the Lord had spoken, and Suzanne hadn't heard yet, so I had to take her out on a date, which was wild. That's a totally separate scenario. I got the yes, though. That's all I can tell you. The gift of wisdom began to flow on that, that date. So I took Jesse and Suzanne out the same, <laughs> the same week, and it worked. And then finally, I said, Pastor Benny, I'd like to marry your daughter. And he said, uh, you don't remember this, I'm sure. You go, I like the sound of that. Ask me again. And I thought, this is sadistic. This is torture. This isn't right. What is he doing? He goes, ask me again. I said, "Uh, sir, I'd like to marry your daughter. By this time, I felt like that was this big. So then he said, oh, get the family. Let's do it in front of the family. I said, well, I kind of had something else planned. I thought maybe I could take her you know, alone? Can we do it that way? He goes, sure. Go do it alone. Put the ring on. If she says yes, which I think she will. So he said, take the ring off. <laughs> and come back and do it in front of the family. <laughs> then he said, I'll fly your family in. Oh yeah, I'll fly your family in and you can do it with them. So, um... Uh, <laughs> So, uh, so then he said, okay. So after he gave me his blessing, what was that? I don't know. After he gave me his blessing, he said, okay, if you're going to marry Jess, you're going to live in my house. And you're going to be my assistant. And you're going to do it for no money. I was like, what a deal. <laughs> so, so hold on. Let, let me, you know, my, my mind works like line upon line. As he said, I go, okay, so I'm going to work for you. I sleep in your house, which means I'm always going to work for you. And I don't get a paycheck, but I get a beautiful wife. So I just jumped on, on the opportunity. And, and in all seriousness, I feel like in life, I don't know, maybe there's four. I'm not, this isn't Bible. I'm just talking from experience. And people I've studied who have really shifted the world. There seem to be these windows of opportunity that come like four or five times in a lifetime. Different ones. Getting saved. Being filled with the Spirit discovering your destiny in the spirit 
your spouse. So I felt in that moment that, that my destiny depended on a leap of faith. So I was a professional golfer at the time. I was coaching the Florida Gators, and I just jumped on it. And Jess actually goes, no, 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 you don't know what you're getting into. If my dad wants it 71 degrees in an auditorium, it has to be 71 degrees. He's, he's going to get on you. If he wants his tea warm, he wants it warm. I thought, I don't care. I'm doing this. I'm going for it. I don't really don't care what it all looks like or feels like. And so I began to live in the house, and that's where I saw the pattern of a man of God. I began to discover who he is. And so have we been through a lot as a family corporately? Of course. Have, have, have we all been through judgment and, and uh, just horrible accusation? And is there, is there a cost involved? Like I remember one time saying, a guy saying, I was on the way to preach at his church. He goes, I have an issue. I said, what's the issue? He said, are you Benny's son-in-law? I'm on the way to preach. I said, I am. He said, that's a problem. I said, why is it a problem? He goes, it just is. He said, well, what are you going to preach? I said, Jesus. He goes, uh, I need to call you back. He didn't know what to do with that. So, I, I, so um, he called back. I said, look, sir, I need to know. Am I coming or not? He said, well, this is a problem. I said, look, just let me know. So he goes, okay, fine, come. So it was my first time preaching where the entire front row didn't want me there, and it's their church. The part of me wanted to tackle them. The other part of me wanted God to taser them, just like fire from heaven. <laughs> you know? So I preached the gospel. This was at the University of Florida on campus. You were there. I preached the gospel, man. People got saved. The power of the Holy Spirit fell. And the guy ran up to me. This is what he said. Sorry, brother, you are a Christian. And I thought, I thought, my God, man, the, the measure of judgment, no one knows. Nobody knows what preachers walk through, what they go through, the pressure they do feel to please everyone. And, 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 and it actually reaches the crescendo of, are you even a Christian? So has there been a cost involved? Sure. But you know what? There'd be no Jesus image. I'd be sick. To this day, I would not know Jesus. If selling out people who impact us for Jesus is the perceived price of being accepted, they can have it. I'd rather go back to playing golf. This is a political devil that, 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 that we all face. And so I've rectified in my heart, this is my story. This is the truth. I'm not shifting it. So living closely with him, like one time, the Lord said to me in the hotel room, I turned the TV on uh, during my first crusade when I was your assistant, and the Lord said, why is the TV on? I said, because I'm watching it. <laughs> he said, what's Benny doing? I said, he's probably praying. It's after two. He said, have you come here to serve? I said, yes, Lord. He said, why aren't you praying? That was 2003. To that day, I don't turn a TV on the night I have to minister. So I found a oneness with him. I found a oneness. His rhythm became mine. At the same time, I had to build my own habitation, my own well. And uh, so, yeah, those were the challenges. But the challenges brought something forth, you know, that's what the Lord's done is amazing. Yeah. 
to get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image P.O. Box 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.